and welcome to Pyres and Twirling Unwired, a daily discussion about business, technology, and current events around the world. Featuring Tim Pyres, a career software, privacy, and mobile communication pro, and Ben Sperling, a leading professional in digital health and healthcare technology. This program is casual and non-rehearsed, and may feature occasional guests or recorded interviews. Let's join Jim and Ben now. Hello, and welcome to Unwired episode 18 for Sunday, April 19th, 2020. You've entered day 39 of the lockdown. I'm Jim Pyers from FEMA Region 9, the Hidden Jewel Compound in Escondido. Ben has the weekend off but he will definitely return for our next show. So I'm going solo today, and uh, today I'm going to talk about the lockdown. We've been on lockdown for uh, what seems like forever. Um, I'm going to ask and pose some questions today. Why lockdown? How long should a lockdown be? What ends a lockdown? Was a lockdown even necessary? How can you prove a lockdown was successful or a failure? And what next? So I'm going to start the show today by playing my clip of the day. This is, in fact, an animated series from the No, no Agenda show. It's sheer genius. Uh, watching the video of this clip is even more impressive because of the visuals of the outrageous doubling and tripling of the reimbursement dollars from payers that you're going to hear. Um, uh, basically hospitals turning themselves into COVID operations, cutting employees. You know, many workers have been fired or furloughed over the past few weeks who work in hospitals. And here's an explanation of that from my pals at No Agenda. And this is happening everywhere. Hospitals are furloughing hundreds of employees. We have notes from a number of producers saying yes. that they're getting laid off at these hospitals yeah. and, they're, uh, and the hospitals themselves are losing money. Yes, and they apparently early on found a way to combat that. And this is State Senator Scott Jensen, I think his name. He's, he's also a medical doctor. He's in Minnesota. And he explains the reimbursement for hospitals based upon type of ailment people have as it pertains to covid let me just say this if i admit a patient to the hospital and they're on medicare and they have just routine pneumonia for a diagnosis the hospital will get a lump sum payment called a drg and it'll be about forty six hundred dollars if i admit that same patient and i attach covid 19 to the pneumonia diagnosis then it goes from forty six hundred to thirteen thousand dollars for that admission regardless of whether the patient's in a hospital for three days or 13 days if during that hospitalization i put the patient on a ventilator for a period of time then the payment goes from thirteen thousand dollars to thirty nine thousand dollars now that's that's a big payment so this is a little freaky uh, knowing that getting someone onto the ventilator pops up the reimbursement to 39k 
and right. they're getting these ventilators. You know, they're. I don't know if we're if anyone's paying for them at the moment. I'm sure maybe some of the well, federal look, stuff. The, the ventilators were about five grand, and they've jacked the price up. Many of these places that have canceled their contracts, and now they're selling the same ones for fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars because that they could do the sales pitch. You've seen the Silicon Valley sales pitch for technology. Look, yeah. You're going to pay $15,000 for this ventilator. It pays for itself with one person on the ventilator. Right. With the $40,000, right? <laughs> so, so Now, I want to add to this thesis of yours, which is to say, and the numbers prove this out, and I, I mentioned it in the newsletter about the 10% of the Italians that were Actually, COVID actually, COVID deaths, yeah. Was 10% of the total number. So the total number in Italy should be knocked down by 10%. Uh, maybe Spain's pulling a stunt too. In the United States, we have this ridiculous situation where California has very few COVID deaths compared to New York, even though with twice the population and probably three times the homeless population of New York. I have to say, and having worked in the government and worked with guys from New York and New Jersey in at, at the air pollution who are inspectors of the there. New York is corrupt. This is a scam. New York is stealing people's money. It's stealing the money of the taxpayer. I'm not believing anything. I'm believing those movies they keep taking down from YouTube, showing the empty hospitals, and then the day before showing a staged event in front of the hospital as though New York's falling apart. This is, New York is the problem. John C. Dvorak's Pet Peeve of the Day. I always love a pro. Clip of the Day. All right, you got it, boys. That was clip of the day. COVID pays for itself. You heard it from John. Um, What does that mean? It's hard to say, but it's very concerning when you see these kind of numbers and you see what the hospitals have been doing, which is basically turning themselves into money-making operations in certain situations. And... John was pointing out this appears to be the case in some of the other countries as well. So that's concerning when you're shutting down the economy for these kinds of things and claiming that the lockdown is necessary. So let's let's go through the lockdown and see if we can come up with rationale and reasoning behind the lockdown. So the theory is, an emphasis on theory here, is that by avoiding contact with others, this can reduce the spread of a particular disease. Why is this only a theory? Well, the assumptions in such a theory are many, but here are a few. One, so medical professionals would need to understand exactly how the disease is transmitted. Number two, medical professionals would need to understand exactly how the disease is received. And medical professionals would need to understand the nature of the contagion. Um, As one example, if if I'm in a closed room in an airplane or something along those lines with 20 other people and one individual is contagious, what are the odds? What are the distances? What are the factors that would enable others in that enclosed area to become infected? Um, and then that would also have to be compared and contrasted 
to open areas. So what if I'm at the park or the beach or the, because these are different scenarios in, in an open air situation versus an enclosed situation. Um, the problem we have here uh, that I see is that the truth, you know, with a novel disease is what this is being called, it, which means it's a new disease. None of this is known. None of this can be known. And the trials and tests necessary to prove such theories, in fact, will take many years. So the point is everything that has been claimed so far about social distancing, wearing masks or not wearing masks, keeping people from crowded places, uh, these are at best educated guesses. But most likely and at worst, it's some form of deception. So we're going to listen to uh, Dr. Bachara. He's from the Bay Area. And we're going to hear what he says about the, um, the development of immunities and testing uh, along the lines of this you know, lockdown theory. So you have to be careful about that. So this study and the, and the antibody tests provide evidence that you had the infection. There's an active debate among immunologists and scientists about the extent to which this, these antibodies confer immunity, right? So some, I mean, we don't know how long they confer immunity. If they do, we don't, we, it may be partial immunity, right? It may protect you, part, part, you know, partly from the infection, but not, not, uh, not completely. So that's, that's, it's a little hard to say anything about herd immunity until that debate starts to get settled. And uh, that, so basically what you heard there is we don't know. Uh, it's a very smart doctor and he's was trying to explain um, the necessity and how you would, and what the results of testing would even mean. And the bottom line is, we're many years away from understanding what that is um, in the best case scenarios. So the other portion of lockdown that I wanted to get to was the statistics and the statistical gamemanship that suggests that somehow there's a curve to be flattened and that the bell curve that is flattened um, implies, you know, th that you can only flatten that curve by not coming in contact with others. This is, this is the next theory. And this theory is that it won't affect overall rates of disease contraction, but by slowing the rate, so we don't come in contact with others, that this would reduce the impact to the health system. So in other words, the same number of people are going to become infected no matter what you do. Uh, is, is, is what this theory implies, but it'll just take longer. So, and by stretching out the time, the theory is that, you know, the, the hospitals won't be overrun. So flattening the curve is a very popular trope. If you just Google it, you know, there's, there's hundreds of articles and news clips about people telling us how we have to flatten the curve. The problem with the curve itself is that it depends on the data, which we know is mostly made up. And this is, a, and this is problematic. So here we have Dr. Burks um, effectively spilling the beans that uh, everything is COVID. 
have a listen. There are other countries that if you had a pre-existing condition, and let's say the virus caused you to go to the ICU and then have a heart or kidney problem, some countries are recording that as a heart issue or a kidney issue and not a COVID-19 death. Um, right now, we're still recording it, and we'll, I mean, the great thing about having forms that come in and a form that has the ability to mark it as COVID-19 infection, the intent is right now that those, if someone dies with COVID-19, we are counting that as a COVID-19 death. Are you, can you be sure? I mean, you hear from coroners that that's not necessarily the case. Are, are you sure? How can you be confident about that? And is there any concern that it skews the data that you're trying to collect in terms of projections and, and things like that? Well, I think that would apply more to rural areas that may not have the same level of testing. But I, I, I am pretty confident in New York City yeah. and New Jersey and places that have these large outbreaks and COVID-only hospitals. I can tell you they are testing. Um, New York and New Jersey together have, by proportion, are testing extraordinary well as Washington State and Louisiana. So I don't see that there's been a barrier in testing to diagnosis. So let's uh, try to unpack that a little bit. So one, she's admitting that basically anything that someone dies from is COVID-19. Therefore, the, the numbers that are being used to flatten the curve and the numbers that are being used to terrorize the citizens of this country and other countries, they're fake. I mean, she just said it. So, so this is incredibly disturbing. Um, so why? What's the What's the point? Why do they want to? Why do they want us to believe these numbers that aren't real? Um, <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, I wish I had the answer, but it's really it makes you think. What's going on here? So in, instead of in, instead of sharing the actual numbers, and she sort of admitted it too that there's as you, you know, a large, you know, half of America is, is rural, half of it lives in big cities, and I'm generalizing. But so basically what she said is, we don't have half the numbers. We don't have a large percentage of the numbers because in those areas, either they can't get tested or they, they, they won't get tested. This is what she's implying. So testing is somehow going to help the numbers that they're making up. Um, so I find that one a little hard to swallow. Um, I think there's there's another thing going on here, and maybe we can listen to the Swedish Prime Minister on. Uh, sorry, he's the Interior Minister of Sweden, and he had a he has a different point of view than what we're hearing from some of um, from our leaders like Fauci and Burks. Let's have a listen. From Sweden's interior minister talking to us from the back of his car, no apology that his country is taking a different path. I think the most important thing here is to get people to actually follow recommendations, think for themselves to understand what the risks are, 
uh, by social uh, interaction with people. So if people understand and follow that kind of uh, regulation and recommendation, I think we have the same results as other countries do as well. Hmm. So Sweden not enforcing lockdowns, not having a bunch of people running around. And yeah, they, they have some uh, they have some illness, some sickness, some flu uh, that that makes people sick or kills them. This this happens every year. Uh, this is a sad fact. And it shouldn't impact uh, extraordinarily how we're behaving. Um, I think some of the um, some of the recommendations about hygiene and being sensitive to people that have underlying conditions, those are things that apply to uh, any of these viruses and and known flus. So I don't think that changes um, our behavior. And based on the numbers and what we've seen so far, um, it doesn't necessarily make sense uh, on, on how we're behaving. It's not necessarily rational. So according to Burks, let's go into some of the numbers. Um, the current claim is that there's, and I, I use claim very loosely, the current claim is that the deaths in the United States are about 34,500, and the number of infected uh, individuals with COVID-19, both of these are COVID-19 supposed numbers, uh, 680,000. Uh, this is the claim. Now, U.S. population estimated 330 million. Um, sorry, 330. Yeah, 330 million inhabitants. Guesstimating could be a little more. If you if you look at those percentages, um, 34,000 deaths is 0.0001% of the population. Uh, number of infected at 680,000 is 0.002% of the population. Now, this, is, this does not imply pandemic. Uh, you can look up pan, pandemic in Webster's. Pandemic is when a large percentage of the population is infected, impacted by something. Um, I would say, you know, th there's some numbers that are thrown around in the uh, in the dictionary and some of the online definitions that it's has to be a quarter of the population, which would be 25%. So we're orders of magnitude away from being close to anything that resembles a pandemic. Therefore, why are we behaving like there is a pandemic? Uh, why are why have the why have the Americans been terrorized? Um, and I'm going to continue to ask this question. So, I think the numbers don't add up. What we're being told doesn't add up, and um, I think these lockdowns are pushing are pushing the situation a bit too far. So. You know what? Given that we've been in this lockdown now for you know a month and a few weeks, what are the signs that 
that lockdowns could be ending? What what are we, where are we getting to? Uh, how are we going to get to a point where uh, the government can save face? Because really, that's where they're at right now. Um, when you have Fauci and Burks espousing numbers that millions of Americans are going to die, and I won't even bother to play those clips. Um, you've heard them a million times. It's it's now going to be interesting to walk the, to watch them walk all of this back, and I think I think they're, they're already starting. You can hear it now, um, but it's interesting because as the federal administration starts walking it back, we seem to have some governors who are doubling down on the lockdowns, and we've heard things like, "Oh, we're gonna." We're going to stay closed till the end of May and June. You've heard lost. You've you've heard uh, Gavin Newsom from California. You've heard the whack job governor from Michigan. Uh, these folks that they're getting and they're starting to get some pushback. Uh, thank goodness. I wanted to. I'm going to go German mode on you, because G German has. When you hear some of these things in German, it's. It, it's a bit more frightening. Uh, it, it, it underscores a bit more what is possibly going on here. This one's titled Octum. Now, this is we do have some international listeners, and so some of you will understand this. I will do a, a translation. I do speak fluent German. Um, so I picked up a couple of these. I thought they were really interesting. So this is in Berlin at a pretty large cross street where there were some protesters and there was a few things going on here. But listen to the loudspeaker um, in German. Let's see if you'll be as uh, frightened as I am. Achtung, es folgt ein wichtiger Hinweis der Polizei. Ich richte mich an die Personen im Bereich Weidinger Straße und Rosa-Luxemburg-Straße. Durch die Eindämmungsverordnung des Senates von Berlin ist ein Zusammentreffen von mehr als zwei Personen untersagt. Da sie der mehrfachen Aufforderung, sich nach Hause zu begeben, nicht nachgekommen sind, wird die Polizei ihre Identität feststellen und Strafanzeigen fertigen. Folgen Sie den Anweisungen der Polizei. Es ist 15.57 Uhr, Ende der Durchsage. So watch out. This is an important message from the police. This is the message for the people of Weidingerstrasse and some cross street. I couldn't quite figure it out. Um, the regulation forbids more than two people to meet together, which is a criminal offense. After listening to our commands to go home, anyone who disobeys will have their identity taken and criminal charges will be enforced. Listen to the instruction of the police. It is 3.57 p.m. End of the announcement. So this is frightening. This is in broad daylight in Berlin, Germany. You know, what is supposed to be a democracy. Um, if you can picture this, there's German citizens that are being pushed around and herded and um, grabbed and pinned against the wall. Um, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about hardcore protesters. I'm, I'm talking about old women 
and some young looking people and getting bullied by big German police officers. It, it was disturbing um, to say the least. Um, and and in, in, a, in a similar area, there's someone captured this conversation uh, that I thought was interesting. You're gonna you're gonna enjoy this one. It's pretty. They're 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 pretty short, so I apologize for the for the language for the English listeners. But it's 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 good to hear the tone and the tenor of these things. Nein, nicht weil sie auf diesem Platz stehen, sondern weil viele Menschen zusammenkommen, die Ausbreitung eines äh, eines Virus, die Gefahr der Ausbreitung eines Virus dasteht. Deswegen schränken wir ein wenig. Tragen da eine Maske, denken Sie wirklich, dass ein Virus Sie schützen würde Nein, davor? Weiß ich, dass es mich nicht also, schützen würde. Denken Sie wirklich, dass die Stoffe, die Aber Sie da einatmen, Sie, gut für Ihre Gesundheit sind? Denken Sie wirklich, dass eine, eine Diskussion denken jetzt Sie gerade wirklich, mit... Denken Sie wirklich, dass Virus, wenn es ein... Ich bin Mikrobiologin. Ja. Ja, ich beschäftige mich mit Parasiten, mit Zellbiologie. Das ist mein Hauptberuf. Ja, und ich verstehe nicht, warum hier ein Szenario veranstaltet wird, über etwas, das gar nicht so stattfinden kann, wie es in den Medien verbreitet wird. <lacht> So this is a conversation between a police officer, a young woman. Um, he's trying to make her uh, go inside or get off the street or wear a mask or something. And um, he's, he's challenging her and um, she, she, she doesn't want to comply. And she starts questioning him about his own attire. So she asks him, do you think that that mask is going to protect you? Um, do you really think that, that, that breathing into that mask is good for your health? Because uh, in the video, he's, he's wearing more than just a mask. It almost looks like some sort of uh, a gas mask or an oxygen. I can't make out what it, what it is, but it seems like a breathing apparatus of some sort. But in any, any case, she's questioning him. And finally, he admits that he, he doesn't know if that really is going to make any difference. Which, which is the right answer. But as he's challenging her, uh, like, you know, what, what does she know to ask him these questions? Well, then she, start, she states that she's a microbiologist and that she spends all her time working with parasites and cellular biology, and that's her main profession. And then she goes on to say, well, you know, I don't understand, you know, why we're doing all this. Um, over something that that cannot even take place, the way the media is portraying the, you know this disease. So she's not only challenging you know the authority here to make her wear a mask or make her you know go inside or make her social distance. She's challenging the whole concept of how it's being portrayed. Um, and this is a professional in the you know obviously I can't validate all this but she's she's saying this pretty clearly to the police officer and i just think it's the uh, it's almost like uh the dad and the kid where the authority thinks they have uh, somehow they have the right to enforce this kind of of nonsense um, without even knowing themselves even the police officer doesn't agree but he's doing it anyway. So in other words, you know, he, he, he's wearing the mask, he's the sheep, he's the, and he's gonna make this lady do it, but he, he has no idea if it's even the right thing to do. So pretty pathetic.
speaking of pathetic, let's let's take that another step. This is the authority, and this is what happens to um, authority when they start to um, when they start to not understand why they're there. So this is this is the head of the World Health Organization. You're gonna love this one. I will suggest two things to the world. Number one, at national level, we should be able to work across party lines. I know how difficult this could be. I know it. Although it's difficult, it's the right thing to do. At the end of the day, the people belongs to all political parties. The focus of all political parties should be to save their people. Please don't politicize this virus. It exploits the differences you have at the national level. If you want to be exploited, and if you want to have many more body bags, then you do it. If you don't want many more body bags, then you refrain from politicizing it. My short message is, please quarantine politicizing COVID. <laughs> wow. So here's the message uh, in, in another language. It'd be a shame if those windows, if your windows got broken. You know, I'd hate to see that happen. So uh, unless you give me my money, uh, you know, you never know. Those, those windows might get, might get broken. Uh, but, but he takes it another, uh, another step. Um, basically, he's threatening the United States um, with body bags. Um, unbelievable statement coming from the World Health Organization. This guy sounds like a mobster. Um, just incredible. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that's gonna go over well. I don't think that's a good approach in this situation. I don't think, um, I don't think Trump uh, probably responds to that kind of language. Well, no, he will respond, but Unfortunately, probably in a similar fashion. So not, not a way to you know, build the bridge between which seems to be broken between World Health Organization and the United States at this point. So where do we go from here? Um, we still got the lockdown. They're start, the federal groups, uh, federal government and the leadership are, are starting to try to back away from that. You noticed some changes in the models they're using to explain the COVID, and now they're starting to mix and match them with the common flu, which should have been done from the get-go. But now, how do they how do they back out of this? Well, let's listen to Mr. Bodybag himself and see what he says about this and how he's going to back away asking people to stay at home and shutting down population movement is buying time and reducing the pressure on health systems but on their own 
these measures will not extinguish epidemics. Okay. So, on one side, we're not supposed to politicize this. On the other side, there's going to be body bags. And then on the other side, the lockdown really doesn't work. <laughs> so we got to get back to work. Um, those are some mixed messages. And if, if, you know, I am Mr. Public, if you're, if you're Joe Public and you're hearing all this, well, A, you're terrorized, B, um, you don't know what to do, you don't know who to believe. So this becomes, this becomes a big issue. And on top of that, you've got local authorities sort of flexing their muscles in ways that uh, I don't believe are helpful. So let's listen to a couple of um, local areas, things that are going on around the country, which are um, disturbing. So here's, um, here's a report from a church in Greenville, Mississippi. I believe a virus suspends the First Amendment, and the First Amendment not only protects the church, but it protects the press. The pastor from this church had cleared with an attorney his ability to have a drive-in church, but the police sent nearly 20 cars to stop it and let him know the new laws of the land didn't include the First Amendment. City of Greenville on a church property. They got more police here than they do on the corner of Nelson Street. I'm a pastor of a local New Testament church. Look at all the police cars. They heard through the grapevine we're having service at 6.30. I'm a good citizen. Ain't breaking no law, ain't selling no drugs. I'm just preaching the word of God. And look at all these police cars here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're going to get tickets. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we'll allow the... If you do have members come, we will they, allow them to leave before they're cited. Yes, sir. If they decide not to is when they will be decided. Yes, sir. A order from the government. Yeah. Your right are suspended. No, our right don't come from authority. It comes from the Bible. So the authority does not have the right over the, the Constitution. We're talking the Constitutional law. The first, second amendment, Mayor Eric Simmons can't take it away, nor the police officer. It, be it can't. Not military, that's military. <laughs> no, it can't. So, y'all, this is happening in, in Greenville, Mississippi. The poorest part of the United States of America, more killing Greenville, more drugs on the corner, and look where the police officer at. If y'all would have told me this, that I would experience this as a pastor trying to preach the gospel, I wouldn't believe y'all. If y'all don't wake up, America, the police told me our freedom can be revoked. He said he don't care what the Constitution say. He don't care about the First and Second Amendment. I'm talking about when you say you don't care about what the Constitution say, you are violating the, the law of the land yourself. Police officers messing with the church. What have happened to America? <laughs> Amen. Yeah, that's quite disturbing. We've had similar uh, challenges here in the California area. There is um, there's some legal activity uh, against the the, the, the municipalities and the localities as well as at the governor's level. Um, I think. Um, I think the the authorities are barking up the wrong tree here, but but that's not going to stop them. So here's 
Here's another one in Lansing, Capital Michigan. Steps, the scene of a protest. The whole idea here was that folks would stay in their car and participate in this gridlock, but we've seen a lot of folks who are saying they're not doing that. They're here, they're on the Capitol steps, staging a more traditional protest here in front of the Capitol building in Lansing. I want to show you one of the larger displays here, a huge sign that is out in the Capitol lawn. It says security without liberty is called prison. And we're going to walk up here and, and give you an idea uh, of the feel some of these people have. Uh, first of all, tell us your name and what brought you out here. Uh, my name is Joseph Dixon, and I came out here to support the Michigan businesses and uh, stand up for the, the rights of our fellow Michiganders. We believe that uh, the governor has overreached and overstepped her rights with our uh, freedoms. Are you concerned about this virus? I was in the beginning until I've done my research and found out the realities and the, the media's overreach on it and uh, that it's not as serious as they made it out to be. And that's why I am here. I feel that they are overreaching, overreacting, and uh, crushing our small businesses, crushing our economy. I see you're wearing a mask, so you appear to have some level of concern. Well, I have concern. I have just common courtesy for people. And I do have concern and respect for everybody. What would you say to the governor if she's listening right now? I would say, Governor, open our uh, economy on May 1st and respect our rights and our freedoms. All right, that's a, a little bit of the sentiment we're hearing here. A, a lot of these folks, hundreds of people who are gathered here on the Capitol steps, a number of them have signs. Uh, one here in the front foreground says, Recall Whitmer now. We see a number of American flags. Uh, folks certainly having a political feeling that goes associated with this situation. It's quite the sight here on the Capitol steps. It's cold, it has been snowy, but it's not tempered down the, the spirit and the feeling that these folks have about letting their voices be heard in opposition to the governor's executive orders. Hmm. Yeah, so th this is very recent in the last, you know, 48, 48 hours or so. Already, the governor is, um, I would say, backing down is not the right terminology, but maybe taking the foot off of this gas pedal a little bit. I think um, the risk here is th there's a lot of Americans um, who aren't just going to go along with the... Uh, the government's recommendations here uh, and a lot of it has to do with the credibility factor um, they've pretty much been wrong every step of the way and it starts to look at intentional at some point um, every, you know you expect in anything new there's going to be mistakes that are made and um, misunderstandings miscalculations the, that's that's normal for for this kind of new uh, situation but unfortunately, at some point, um, <laughs> it's, it's definitely starting to look like um, it's intentional, some sort of con game. And it's been it's or at minimum, it's just opportunistic and taking advantage of the disaster to uh, track people, vaccinate people, whatever their agenda is. Who knows? But um Something along those lines is very concerning. I would, 
I would then sort of, uh, I thought this was also related, but interesting to the, um, to, to, to the, uh, to the lockdown where again, this is sort of the backpedaling in a way, but, uh, let's listen to our favorite vaccinator, Bill Gates. Well, if we do the um, social distancing properly, we should be able to get out of this uh, with a death number well short of that. It's very important that those numbers are out there because a lot of people are still thinking, hey, isn't life normal? Not waking up every day to a completely new reality. And so I was very glad that those models are out there. Uh, you know, Dr. Fauci's doing a very good job of saying the numbers are what count here and you know the various models that we imperial university do show uh that without this dramatic behavior change you could even get worse than that so let's let's uh deconstruct that just a tad so what he said was yeah the models are wrong we know they're wrong but we're glad we're using them because somehow we're behaving the way they want us to behave. Because think about what he said. If, if the models are wrong, then why are we behaving this way? If the models, uh, if, if the, the reason that we did the lockdown, that we shut down the economy, that millions of Americans have lost their jobs, that many, many small businesses may never recover. The reason we did all that is because the leadership was using these models to make decisions. Right here, you hear from the horse's mouth, and actually Bill Gates is funding some of the companies that are that we're relying on to provide these models, um, he's admitting that the the data's the data's false, the data's a lie. But that's okay because we're behaving as the way they want us to behave. It, it's it's unbelievable. So. Where do we go from here? What's what's going to happen next? Um, how do we? Um, I, I I think I think the way this is going to play out is um, it's it's pretty clear that the lockdown was not necessary. It's pretty clear that it it didn't have the impact um, on the disease because the disease wasn't what they were claiming it was. Um, they are, in their own language now, they're calling this uh, a flu. In the models that um, Burks presented yesterday, they, they're using a model that, that it's even called like flu. So they're, they're backing away from the COVID-19 is, is some new thing that's going to destroy humanity. And it's another flu that we're going to have to um, adjust to and adapt to which which is probably more rational than where this whole thing started and and the questions that are going to come out of this um, 
probably are going to be difficult to answer, but why uh, was this necessary? Why the change in protocol from how we handle uh, influenza and, and other viral diseases? Why the um, attempt to shut down economies? Why the attempt to, you know, milk the system uh, as some hospitals um, are apparently doing for COVID? These are all questions that, that um, we as the citizens should be asking and we should be demanding uh, answers. So, you know, the, um, as the federal government walks away from this, we also need to hold accountable the local authorities. Um, I think the governors and the um, state and local and the mayors especially, um, they have some accountability here. And um, by going along with some of these bad decisions, um, which if, if you looked at the information that was coming out and the, and used the words of the uh, of the leadership behind it, you several weeks ago you started to see the wheels coming off of their story. So I'm hopeful that um, you know, like in all things in life, we can learn from this. This should not happen again. We shouldn't let it happen again. And um, we've we've got to get a lot of a lot smarter about who we put in uh, places of authority. I do want to make a couple of shout outs today uh, as we wrap up the show. So the clips today, uh, the sources for those were um, a couple of folks. So some of them, as I mentioned earlier, were from the No Agenda show. I want to thank also Dana Ashley, uh, who provided some of the clips, uh, the German language clips, uh, especially, um, which I thought were really interesting. And yeah, I want to thank all of you listeners who've been listening to the show, giving us feedback, donating, really appreciate it, especially in this time, um, help, helps Ben and I out. Uh, and we're greatly appreciative of everybody's support. Um, we look forward to the next show, and Ben will be back. Um, hopefully he's enjoying his, his much-deserved time off. <laughs> Spending time with the family and lockdown, I'm sure. All right, so um, Jim Pyers from Escondido. Thanks for listening, everybody. their lollipops no one ever interrupts 47 millionaires on a ship with marble squares playing with their teddy bears talking about the rising fairs 47 millionaires on a ship with marble squares whistling to the favorite song dancing laughing all night long 47 millionaires on with marble squares praying to the morning sun talking with their golden tongue and I wished I was one of
squares there was a wave that killed them all and now the lollipops are gone 47 millionaires on a ship with marble squares traveling to the nowhere land where nasty pleasures never end and I wish I was one of them and I wish I was one of them may tell me how can it be that my set you free tell me how can it be that money can set you tell me how can it be that money can set you free tell me how can it be that money can set you money can set you free